0: This will be the final episode in this series of Turning Earth and we'll be sticking for this episode with the theme of community organising and movement building. You'll hear some of the people you've heard from already so far this series talking about organising work they've done in their own communities and movements and I hope you learn as much from them as I did. I said I think at the beginning of this series that we'd discuss the many problems facing us as a society and that we'd finish by discussing the solutions the realisable and practical solutions. Well here they are. The solutions are what some of you already know and some of you are already doing. As Donald said in the previous episode, educate, agitate, organise. It won't be easy, but it will work. History teaches us this. Social systems never last forever, and we, if we organise, have the power to shape what comes next. Now's the time to increase the pressure, as the capitalist system enters yet another phase of instability. First, here's Lucky Cambule giving an introduction to the organisation Massey, the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland. He describes the barbarity of the direct provision system and how only people power can bring it down. He also begins to tell the story of how Massey started with a strike and occupation in Cork.
1: We, Massey is eight years old now and uh, when we formed it we were in Cork, I was in Cork and uh, one of the things that we, we, we set ourselves to do was to, one to raise awareness about the issues of direct provision And what people are are suffering in direct provision. And and to to, to just create that awareness amongst the Irish people, which was not the case at that time. Nobody knew at all about direct provision until we said to ourselves, it's about time we tell our own stories. Let people hear from us, not from anybody else to tell our stories and define us. But we wanted to tell our stories our own way. One of the things also was to start the campaign of ending the system, Mm. the system of direct providing to people. Uh, And uh, to remove this this uh, uh, autocratic and oppressing of the people that seek protection, to campaign for the proper right, for the right to work, which was never there Mm. before. It was never there. When you are stuck, when you are in, when you declared as an, as, a, as an asylum seeker, you are there. They expect you to be in that place at the same time to provide, give food to you, give bed to you and go and report at, at, at the office that I'm present today. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I eat those three meals a, a day and, and nothing else is provided to you. You can't go to education for further education even though the small little ones will go to primary up to school living set, but before, beyond that, you are stuck and you, you, you can't decide what to eat. They must cook for you. So everything is taken away from you. You know, the feeling of being degraded and disrespected, it's, 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 it goes to your, to your mental health. I don't know how many people really, really survived in that in this direct provision the way that is so cruelly uh, uh, set up to to make sure that people don't survive there mm-hmm. it it's it's amazing to see how people have gone through that how parents manage to raise those kids under those situations whereby a parent can't even make a, a simple sandwich for their kids to go to school they can't even have that kind of joy as a parent that you have prepared this meal for your child when you go to school. No, that must be some, for somebody else who has no care about, about anything else. So how people survived. And I was talking to this, this, this young lady uh, today and she is saying that she is traumatized, she is still traumatized by the mental uh, health issues that she had uh, uh, experienced. Well, it wasn't uh, she's, she's a scholar now? She's a student now, mm-hmm. but she still have trauma of being in that direct provision where she could not be able to do anything when she could be able to do so. Mm-hmm. I was there myself. I was there. I couldn't do anything. It was frustrating. Yeah. That's why I used my time to start this group. To speak with people, so that we can be able to find some sanity within ourselves to do things that is meaningful to us. To create that awareness and make the government know that we we are not happy with what is happening to us. We have gone at the time where we must conform to everything. Because we, we are asylum seekers, as if we have killed anybody. Even the people that are in prison, they've got a term. That's what we were saying at that time. Because at that time there were people that were ten years in the system, without any opportunity to work whatsoever. Ten years of your life is taken away from that. You can you will never. It doesn't matter who you are. You'll never recover from that. You'll never, whether you were a teacher, or you were a, whatever, you were a banker, wherever that you are, you are disskilled for ten years. You start everything all over again. All over again. Some of us, the age is not on our side to be able to start everything, something new, you know. So that is, that is, that is where we are coming from as Marcy, to make people aware that we are people that are, uh, have something to offer. We've got so much talented people who can add value to this country as soon as they are here, as soon. That is why our call submissions, whatever we do, is that when people come in the country, set them up to succeed. Set them up to, in order for them to have a path whereby they can be able to get to education and enhance the skills that they already have in the Irish context. I'll start with the, with the main action that we have done in Cork at that time that raised uh, that awareness because we had a protest there in Cork where we locked that center or we took over the center for 10 days and 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 put out, uh, and and did not allow the staff to come in okay so that was a that was the the start of everything because the the residents in that center got united and did one action to get rid of the management at all costs and, and negotiated with the department itself about the conditions that were there. It lasted for 10 days because we were not budging in terms of them coming there, undermining The Firstly, they came to undermine and say, we are not supposed to do this. We are not supposed to strike and all that. We were not having it. We said it is our right to, 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 to protest. Okay until our demands have been met, which we have stipulated, already given to them. Deal with those, not, not about stopping the strike. Deal with the issues, until they realize that we are serious. That's when we started now, coming to negotiate. We had about three meetings before we decided that the, the, we are going gonna to allow them in. Yeah. So it was in our terms, because I remember the last meeting, they came, They've amended, they've changed, they've amended everything. They accept to do this, accept. But we said, write down. We had a contract with them. Write down. Write down everything. And we will come back to you. We said in the last meeting, because we did not have it in the premises. The last meeting was not held in the premises. Uh, We had a secret place with a few of us that we went to them. Uh, And uh, we said to them, Fine, we are taking this. We're gonna go back to the to the people, and we're gonna let you know what our decision is. Yeah. Okay, that now was day nine, and they were really, really on their knees, and we were not interested in that. Then we went. We had our meeting. We said, okay, this is what this is what this is what they they've agreed to do, and these are the documents, and. Uh, we have, well, then we can decide that the following day, which was a, a Friday, we we'll let them know that they can now come in the center. Yeah. You know, in that way. So that, that, that was massive. That was massive. It's something that has never happened in this country yeah, yeah. before, even in, 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 in any other sector, yeah. whereby people peacefully took over a center and forced them to address the issues that they were unable to address. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 it was huge. So that made the government to, to, to form the at that time, it was during it was that, that 10, the 10 day period, he formed a quick group called the, the working group. He formed a group quickly to address the issues of direct provision but what he failed she failed to do in in the terms of conditions of uh, of uh, terms of reference is to is to give uh, alternative to direct provision she did not do that it, she specifically said that they must not talk about alternative to direct provision specifically Uh, mentioned all other things, but not, you know, so it's, it's a, it's and we, 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 we asked to be part of that group, of which they declined uh, uh, for obvious reasons, because we were coming from a different school of thought about direct provision, and they didn't want to entertain that. So they had that group, uh, it came with recommendations. Uh, to improve their, their aim was to improve things in direct provision, of which we always maintain that there is nothing that can be improved with direct provision. There is nothing at yeah. as, as the way it is it doesn 't matter what you can do you can't improve direct provision. You must just completely finish it and and come up with another system that would be seen to be to be for the people.
0: Outside of localized victories, how do we organize on mass for systemic change? I talked about this with Ono Canavan.
2: Basically, I think the the state is highly organized, and so we have to be highly organized as well. And so that's mm. it's an attempt at organizing, that organizing to build those things. But I mean, like how I mean, we're kind of so far <laughs> away from that kind of. I, you won't get, like get rid of the capitalist state without ordinary people or ordinary workers getting organized and fighting mm. back. And I suppose people are profitless. Trying to help to build that, basically to wherever, wherever those people who kind of organising that we we try and help, help to build it and try and move it on, and also also just like that, it's that it's not just about um, the demands that are there, like or whatever you know, like like say we're, there's stuff around the cost of living now, you know, people want price caps. We obviously want price caps, but we're also putting forward the argument for nationalisation within that, you know, and mm. um, you know, trying to connect in with you know the climate crisis to the Cost of living crisis, all these kinds of things, to have it like like to to put forward a political view of, of uh, and a political kind of um, analysis of what's going on. You need both. You need, I think, you need yeah. you need politics and you need mobilization and organization. You
0: don't want to just tackle the symptom. You want to go to yeah. what's causing it in the first place. Yeah. And is nationalisation is ultimately what it's going to take realistically, isn't it? I mean,
2: yeah.
0: it's one thing to have you let companies do what they want, and then we put in occasional rules to limit them. It's yeah. like no, don't do that. Just Make them democratically controlled,
2: like yeah, exactly, and
0: that's that's you can see that easily the links to the climate crisis with that because if we nationalize gas production, we could democratically decide to stop producing fucking gas, exactly,
2: yeah, and and done on an up for for profit base because obviously you know like I mean the French government recently they well they already owned like eighty five percent of one of the the, one of the companies they nationalized the rest of it or whatever but that's it's like it's run just like any capitalist company basically you know and they you know so. You, you want to do it, you need to remove the profit motive and have it be run on the basis of need.
0: What's people for profits policy on? I'm going to assume as a, a socialist party, as a pro public housing, but what's the, yeah. what's the plan there?
2: Well, I, I think um, in broad strokes, well, first of all, you'd have to ban the big investment funds, the big vulture funds uh, from coming in um we had a bill recently uh, which was voted down um for rent reductions which would uh, reduce rents to 25% of the of the local income so wh- whichever was lower than national or the lo- lo- local you you'd, you'd cap rents at that mm. um and then you know the r- response from on Martin is Oh, should there'd be no landlords uh, left in the country if you brought this in <laughs> <What a tragedy>. <laughs> <laughs> um but no but i mean the, the like in, if you're going to tackle that 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 um that seriously well then you know there is a way that the state should buy up the, the houses if, if the landlord wa- isn't able to extract enough profit for themselves mm-hmm. they, then the state should buy by the house often and then I suppose as well at the very least compulsory compulsory purchase of, of vacant uh, properties um, uh. Uh, but I mean like I mean I'd be for, for expropriation of the, you know the the uh, the the big uh, you know say the big vulture funds and all that that yeah, kind of yeah. thing you know you know and obviously then like you know what we involved did in, in the 1930s and 40s you know it's not that radical you just build public housing on public land no mm. but I think the um that's all that's all kind of fairly straightforward the the issue is um trying to build the kind of social force that can fight for that mm. um, because I think um uh, it's all very well having these policies on on paper and and in the abstract, but actually, like say, if you had a left government to try to do that, they'd come under serious attack from from the right, from the state, and from the media and so on. There'd be capital flight, there all those uh, all of that kind of thing. And um, I think if you're not, you know, on the streets and building up opposition as well on the streets and in workplaces and so on to actually uh, take them on, I think you you won't get very far. Like we've mm. obviously seen with. Like of Syriza and you know, there's plenty of examples. I suppose of of, of less governments, I suppose that that have um, that have kind of reneged on on what they what they they promised to do, and mm. and it's mainly because I think they they saw Parliament as a way of uh, you know you just go into Parliament and y- you get a majority, and then you you bring in laws. Like that's not how it works. Like you mm. know you can't, <laughs> you'll be stopped. like <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: What are the missing steps
2: there then? Well, uh, I think there's a lot a lot of different things. Uh, I mean. So some of our work would be involved with would be trying to build up gra- grassroots fighting trade unions again, like so, you know, trying to go in and you know, obviously we've got a, a union bureaucracy that's uh, constantly puts the brakes on any kind of sort had kind of 30 years of social partnership that's held people back, uh, help workers back. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we think we need to try and organize ordinary workers to, you know, kind of a rank and file strategy, uh, fighting fighting back locally, you know, as well as um, well just organising in communities and, and, and various different things, but it's I think you, you have to build a, a, a struggle, I suppose, and, and have, you know, mass kind of struggle as well. Some of the stuff that, you know, we've been involved in and, and I think were important were, like, say, um, Extinction Rebellion when it kind of started out and Take Back the City and stuff like that, where there was kind of direct actions and occupations and all those kind of things. And I think we, we need those things, but... Um, it can't just be a small group of people you know and and we have to i think you have to relate to to people where where they're at mm-hmm. as well i think the vast majority of people are not going to go at this point in time they're not going to go and occupy their workplace or their yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. or a, a government building or, or whatever you know they're yeah, not going to yeah, go yeah. and do direct actions and so you have to be, try and build that as well it's like
0: guiding people to their own agency i suppose yeah yeah, that,
2: yeah like that,
0: that they have the ability and responsibility to to Take active part in politics. And I think there's, you don't, we're not brought up to see that as an option because yeah. the system is that you elect people to do that job for yeah. you and you don't do that for, for it. Yeah. And I think that the argument against that a lot is that, all oh, people don't want to do that. People don't want to
2: yeah.
0: be proactive. And I don't think that's actually true. Yeah, I think people just don't see it as a possibility. Yeah.
2: Yeah. that, that, that well, they, look, they, can, yeah. they can do on Until they start to, what's, what is it? There's a rose Luxembourg burger unless you start to move, you don't notice your chains. Like, I mean, just an example of, of what's happening um, this week, like Liffey Valley workers are um, that they're bringing in these car parking charges for the workers and it's a basically an effective pay cut. It would be a minimum of €600 Euro a year it rise to the thousands because there's not enough staff, car they'd have to use a customer car pack, which is obviously much more. So it could rise to the thousands. And so people out there, um, Gino Kenny and, and other, some of our activists and that um, have been talking to them. And, and you know, in, initially it was that kind of thing of you're hearing from this, you know, such and such TD or, or, or such and such a, an important person, that you know, like they're going to go and talk to somebody and blah, blah. And, you know, and so they, you know, they were kind of hopeful, hoping that that would, you know, the, you know, that'd be sorted that way. And then as it goes on, it becomes clear that it's not. And so now they've started actually organizing and and protesting, and mm. you know, like, and they've, got, you know, they've got serious attention on it. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of where we're at at the moment now, like, I mean, we're we we're, 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 we're for left government. We think that would raise people's expectations of what, because yeah, it's kind of people are quite demoralised. I think sometimes, some of the time. But if you, you know, if you're electing a, a government that you expect to, you know, to bring in these kinds of things, then yeah, hopefully, like I think there's a better chance of people um, mobilising then uh, from that. But then the question, I suppose, becomes: like, Would you would you join that or not? Um, you know, like would would we, would we join a government led by Sinn Fein, for example? And mm-hmm. I, I think the only left government should join i suppose would be one that's actually going to take the fight to the the rich so you'd have to be for nationalization of the banks and of energy you'd have mm. to be for putting the u.s troops out of shannon uh taking the private hospitals into uh, public ownership mm. you know you can go through you know, a, a bunch of key things like that um and then as well as that be willing to to actually um, mobilize people on the streets to fight for that yeah, and yeah. if you're not if if, if it's not going to do that then it's then I think then we'd be in a position where we'd, we would stay out, out outside of the government.
0: Action at government level can advance our causes, but can only get us so far. People need to be ready and willing to take action and stand up for themselves. I asked Lucky to tell me the story of the strike that started Massey. Unfortunately, the audio quality here is not as good because Lucky's mic stopped working during the conversation and it took me a while to notice. So the audio here in the first half of this is just what my mic could pick up. I'm fixated on that uh, the occupation that you did in Cork. Um, yeah. How did you just keep that going for ten days? Because you, you, you didn't let any staff in, so like, yeah. how, did, did you still let food yeah. deliveries in, or how did that how did that yeah. operate?
1: Okay, good question. Uh, we did not plan of what is going. On. We did not plan for ten days. Yeah. Okay. We were just protesting. And what we did, what we planned for, was to spread the word of what we were doing. And immediately what we said, when we said that we have closed the centre, the Cork community woke up and came to us and provided food for us. For us to cook, some came with warm food and some would go and buy for us, because now, we were now, we didn't have staff and we had women, we had a committee of women that were responsible for cooking. So they were cooking on their own, and people would come and drop stuff at the gate. Everything with groceries that we would go and buy with the money that would have been given by the people. And uh, all those days, not a day that people went uh, hungry. And we had our meals at our own time breakfast, the way whatever that we want, to had porridge, the way, you know. We did things, there was freedom. People could come, the media had access to the center for the first time. They went to the rooms. Red F- um, Pre- 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 what is his name now? I, remember, I forget. Uh, can't remember his name now. Predanavin Pre- 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 or something. Mm. Uh, he always talked bad about the, the, the asylum people. Mm. But the day he went to, to that center, and went to the rooms, he changed his mentality. Right. About the treatment of asylum. The media had that understanding of the real thing. You know? So it we kept it going because of of, of the, the help from the people from, from Cork. Yeah yeah. Ordinary people from Cork, that that we had. Even I mean because even on radio, we'll be on radio, we'll be talking, our our tone was not an aggressive tone, was a you know, we were peaceful. Yeah, yeah. you know because we 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 managed because we had to have we had to show leadership amongst the people remember it's and it's an international kind of setup from people coming from everywhere with different backgrounds with different cultures mm. so we had to get those people to be united and speak with them every afternoon because because of the experience of dealing with strikes the, 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 the first few days are important in order to keep the spirits of the people up mm. and the hope. And the longer it goes, the longer, the, the more you lose uh, the people yeah, themselves. Yeah. So every night, we'll, uh, every afternoon, we we'll call people in the, in, in, the, in the assembly area and address them and re energise them yeah, to yeah. keep going again. Yeah. To keep going again, give them hope. And it takes leadership to do that. Uh, to 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 because we have never done anything collectively before. It was the first time we did not know the strengths and weakness of the people, but it just, you know, gelled together. Yeah. yeah. That we would be able to 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 create that unity and, and, and keep the, the, the masses, uh, you know, the troops, kind of hopeful mm. that and one of the one of the demands that the manager who was racist, bully, must never return in that in that center. Yeah, yeah. That was one of our strong demands that, that anything if this person is back nothing will change mm. because he was so used into that power he was feared by even his staff members. So we did them a favor, and he was gone. Mm. He never returned. Up to today, he never returned. So it was a well-structured kind of uh, thought, uh, full uh, ex- a- a- action, and that he, that had positive results throughout because of, 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 of the calmness of which it was it was uh, because the planning towards that. Building up to the actual strike, there was a lot of talks that were coming there mm. to prepare for the things. I was I was going through the documents uh, a few weeks ago, as well. I was I was uh, because we do have weekly uh, Tuesday meetings with the, with the people. Sometimes we remind them of our history uh, because it was it was September fifteenth when we did that strike. So September in September this this year we dedicated our meeting to the reflection of that action that we took there. Because I kept all the documents of the planning, what we must do. When you you reflect, when you do stuff, you don't know the importance of it when you are doing it at that time. Until later when you reflect, it becomes history. What we do today, we do it for now. We don't really do it for, for the history. It's only when you are now reflecting, oh, hey, this was historic. So that action, we were, we did not know that we were creating history, but the history is there. Now that's a that's a lesson from any uh, ac- activism or active uh, action that people can take. It's just to create that that atmosphere and unity and 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 thinking in one way. When we have people thinking in one way, when we have got people that have got one thing, because during the meeting, I remember during the meetings, there was kind of, uh, initially, there were people that were so, you know, because they were friends with him, you know, they were unable to, to kind of vocalize uh, the issues that they have. The results of that was that, now we, get, we got so much respect from the staff members yeah. so much respect that they never thought we would do what we did and we helped them we liberated them actually because they were in bondage they didn't know that they were in bondage yeah. we liberated them by waking up and do what we did yeah. story also what what then happened after that because on day 10 we plan to have what we call a because it's important as well when you are, when you are involved in a struggle, when there's victories, is to recognize those victories, and we had a, a rally to thank the people from uh, from Cork uh, for what they have done throughout those days. We had a rally in the Cork city where we invited the public to stand with to us and march in the streets of Cork of Cork with victory, and then from there onwards, then we started mobilizing. Now, because at that time we were not massive. At that time, we were just a center, yeah. which is crack, which Road Accommodation Center. We were just a center. Then, after that, then we then said that we need to 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 take this to the other centers, and we started going to the other centers and, and and sharing what what our our victory, uh, what we did, and all that. Yeah. And some centers also carried uh, started their own action. So the all most of the, there was strikes that were going on. And as a result, the minister started with this, uh, 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 what I told earlier, with, the, with regard to the working group, that the, it, the aim of the working group was to, to calm the, the, the things down so that people would have hope that something will come out of the way. Work, it worked because people started, you know, uh, having that hope that things will happen in, in, in within that, and then that's when we formed Massey, mm. because once we now spoke, we went to, to most of the case of the places: Galway, Waterford, Limerick, Athlone, whatever you, and we then called ourselves the Movement of Asylum Seekers in Ireland. That is what Massey is now known as. Yeah. Came from that you know sometimes the, the laws are made are made against the people yeah. to capture them you know and yet you suffer not sometimes you suffer not knowing that you are suffering and uh, it's it's all about the liberation of the mind and the belief that you have to do something in order for you to to be liberated uh and we have done that we did that And that is what holds us on that basis. That master was formed on that basis. That is our strength actually to challenge. That's what we always say to people as well. Even the small issues that they have. And we, we teach people not to accept the first answer they get from any person who is an official. Even if you are going there to ask for a toothpaste or a toilet paper, It's not about the toilet paper, it's about the principle of you not accepting the no that is senseless that you have given.
0: Victories for one community should be celebrated and built on. We also need to build links between communities in struggle, learn from each other and build power together. Donal O'Khali spoke to me of his experience in organising between two communities in their past campaigns. The emerging anti-fracking campaign in Leitrim and the shelter-sea campaign in Eris, North-West The anti-fracking campaign was able to build on the gains and learn from the losses of the Shelter Sea campaign. After Donald, you'll hear more from Eddie Mitchell about the Love Leitrim campaign as it eventually emerged.
3: Mainly I tried to link make links with uh, kind of introduce people to the experience of, of what was what was done in Airless in Mayo and it meant, you know, a couple of trips over. Sorry, a couple of trips over to um to Mayo and getting people from the, some of the lead leaders of the community in in northern mayo to come over here yeah, yeah. and give us a, their experience and that was hugely beneficial in fact my memory is that the first mention of the word fracking in leitrim that i know of was made by john monaghan of uh, who was shell to Sea and uh public and and various groups in in Harris. Um, and when it was, we, we showed The Pipe, the documentary, The Pipe, mm-hmm. about Shel in the Glens Art Centre as, as part of a film festival. We called the Jimmy Grawlton Film Festival at the time. Cause, and John Monaghan came over to talk to the audience afterwards in a post-screening discussion. Mm. And it came up that there had just been a tiny little postage stamp-sized ad in the Leithram Observer saying... There's, there will be um, prospecting for gas in the Loch Allen Basin. Nobody knew what the Loch Allen Basin was. It, I don't know. Not many people had heard of it before, you know. And this thing of natural gas was... And somebody in the audience asked, John Monaghan, do you know anything about this? I mentioned in the Leitrim Observer this week of prospecting for natural gas in... Uh, in um, in the Lock Allen Basin, and he said, "You'd want to check that out mm. because if that includes a thing called fracking, you all need to watch a documentary called Gaslands yeah, by yeah, Josh yeah. Fox." And that was what alerted us all. And within a couple of weeks, um, Johnny Gogan, who's a local activist here, he had organised for. Uh, and he's a filmmaker as well, so he had organised for the the um, touring film uh, cinema there's a kind of cinema on wheels used to go around oh, yeah. and he had to go around to the towns of Leitrim and showed that documentary and it was a huge consciousness raiser immediate like and that was the start of Love Leitrim Great, yeah, yeah. which was the campaign in the end was the core campaign for getting the fracking ban yeah yeah
0: That was hugely successful as well I think that's that's what drew my attention to Leitrim initially was the 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 level of resistance seemed to be quite strong from from early on. Why, why, yeah. why do you think that is? What what what's?
4: Well,
3: I what's would argue this? that it was a not a lot to do with the learning from the lessons we were taught by the people who learned from experience in in artists mm-hmm. You know, they came over and gave incredible. It was uh, Soroka Fox. She organized the first meeting. Um, and it was in uh, Carroll Hike in Ross, but out the end of the Rossport Peninsula and five hours it went on for, with all the big leaders of the community down there. There was William Mary Cardove, Miana Shine, Vincent McGrath, the whole- lots of them. And from here, Eddie Mitchell Tom, and someone, some of the other people who became major players in the Love Leitrim campaign yeah, yeah. and the... was a lot of learning done in that. And I remember uh, Eddie Mitchell as well speaking. We brought uh, Willie and Mary Cordova over for another occasion in the lens. And they talked about their experience, including Willie being beaten up in the shell compound and hospitalized very seriously. And um, they talked all about that and uh, and gave of their gave advice as well to do it and the place was packed in the lens you know so I think but that'd be my perspective that was yeah, if yeah. you like my role it. in it was linking up because I, yeah, I just yeah. knew the community down in Mayo learned all so many things the hard way mm. yeah definitely you know? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and they may really ease the passage because it didn't get to didn't get to and it was there was you know there was a strategy of not wanting to incur the kind of state reaction that happened that was wrought on the people in, in North Mayo.
4: Um, we were able to ban fracking in the trouble. so we do have a lot of power but, it, but, it, but we have to take responsibility so in other words, we don't really have, we can't really look to, to government and blame government when stuff um, when stuff goes wrong, you know. Mm. Um, if if we do have sovereignty, which we do in Leitrim, and we have, you know, we've already shown that we can resist um, very serious, um, you know, external powers, you know. Yeah. So we just need to do it. We just need to keep doing it. Like so, we need to organise. We need to to learn, understand. Like we shouldn't be. Ag- we're not going to be against everything we have to be able to stand up and say and stop stuff that isn't in line with our own objectives you know so we, we if, if if somebody has an objective of of utilizing this place to make money but the impact of that is to destroy this place well then then we have to be strong enough to 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 stop that like I mean that must be happening for 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 thousands and thousands of years you know if you're weak you'll, you'll get you'll get um you'll get abused and if you're so you have to be strong. So the people have to be able to to, to act together, you know. Yeah. And that happened with fracking. So that all of the political division and all that was all put to one side because of the nature of the threat. Yeah. So when the when the threat is is big enough, people will come together to fight yeah, yeah. and stand their ground. But as the threat become as the threat is less significant, then it's a dangerous thing because then you can split, you know. Yeah. So fracking showed that we could stand together here now the question is whether gold mining has the power to split that or not you know what i mean yeah. but I, I don't think so i think that people will but, we, but but we don't know we don't the company hasn't arrived yet with the offers of money you know what i mean yeah. we don't know what the new situation is like with a recession you know we we don't know who'll break or if if we should break do you know what i mean but i but I, I can't see people in leitrim allowing gold mining you know very hard to see I couldn't imagine that it, it could happen that easily like, yeah. there definitely will be massive resistance here yeah, yeah. you know and, and and because of what we've learned already that resistance has to be very it'll have to be very effective yeah. but what you'd do you'd hope is that, that we could all still stand together instead of having to fight each other you know yeah, that, yeah. That, that, I'd hate to see that happening yeah,
0: yeah. well it sounds like you, is be coming from a good spot having kind of built that 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 sense of movement between people uh, against the fracking, so it's like you have that groundwork laid already. Do you think that gives you a bit of a head start, or you still kind of feel like you're starting from scratch? Well, you see, uh,
4: in order to fight um, that fracking campaign, we had to we we didn't really fight fracking. What we done was we developed a vision for our county. You know, mm. so it it wasn't a negative um, campaign as such. It was a it was a kind of a wake up call yeah. that if we don't take control of the future of of our of our county then then we leave it open for others to come in and and, and just exploit us yeah. so if it, if it if it's about if it's about the, the positive stuff that we want and yeah. um, then we are strong we should be strong enough you know
0: yeah. i suppose to to wrap things up then you, you already talked about this a little bit but would you have any ideas about what 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 potential reforms to the the way the political system operates could there be or what alternative systems could there be to stop stuff like this happening in the first place? Because it's a common thing that whenever I talk to people that are in, whether it's in Leitrim or anywhere else, that are resisting projects like this, it, the common thread is it's always, it's it comes up suddenly with no prior community consultation. It's just kind of thrown at the community and then people have to respond on the back foot fighting against it. It, it, it seems like that stuff like this, whether any kind of miller of extraction or resource, resource development would go a lot smoother if it was community led and community driven. So is there is there any like alternative approaches or alternative systems you could imagine?
4: Well well I, I think obviously if we're going to go to this um, renewable future, then that needs to be community led. Now it is very hard because we've been trying for years to do things here, to get communities and to get projects up and running at scale, you know. So we probably do need partnership with government you know to get things at scale in terms of climate action but I'd say the most important thing in relation to um how government works like if you consider what's happening right now so remember Enda Kenny's um government minority government mm. so whatever it was very organic you know you could, you could get stuff raised in the doll, and um, you you could you could affect policy you get stuff discussed in committees people you bring bring people with you, and then get legislation passed. Yeah. I mean that's the way government should work. But if you think about what's happening even these days now in the Dáil, there's a planning bill coming through, and they're basically going to. So just to bring it to the LNG. So um, New Fortress Energy got planning permission for the for the for the um, the um, frack gas import terminal. Okay, yeah. but we went to court. Our friends of the Irish Environment went to court, and they got that. Um, that was an illegal decision. But now they're bringing in legislation that if you challenge a decision by Umburpanola, that Umburpanola could just remit that. In other words, that they would that decision wouldn't be quashed, that they'd just go back into the process, fix the technical problem or whatever. So whatever argument you were making that was successful, that then they would try to um, go around that argument and continue and grant permission. And that's been brought in now as, as part of legislation that's been rushed through the door with with no, uh, not, even discuss, not even being not even been discussed, and that's the kind of government we have now, you know, totally different than what we had a couple of years ago when we banned fracking. So we, we have to the door has to function, the government has to function properly. There has to be debate. This idea of, of killing all debate, and ramming stuff through the through, through the through, through the Dáil. that's the problem we're having at the moment. You know, we objected to forestry here because it was the bad forestry policy. So the only thing, the only thing that we could do was we could obje- was object w- with the process that was there. So they changed the process. They introduced um, um, that you had to pay two hundred euros. So that the idea, the solution for them was rather than complying with the law, the European law, that they would actually try to stifle opposition. You know, like you know, not in line with the idea of. Public participation, you know you know just just ramming stuff through and 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 try to force things into communities yeah. like it doesn't work that's not going to work like and and thank God people aren't going to allow that to happen I don't I mean think about what's happening in the u k protest is becoming illegal, you know mm. like we're on we could be on a slippery slope if people don't uh, aren't careful you know yeah. like if you think about this government that we have now, if they are doomed we'll say. To be replaced by Sinn Féin. How much harm could they do between now and the end? You know, like if, like, the, what they could do with that that planning bill if they ram it through? And presumably, it'll be challenged and it'll end up in the in the in the European Court of Justice. You know, because it's not in line with our house. You know, mm-hmm. but if if that's the type of government that we get, we're going to we're going to end up with, you know, going down a very slippery slope. Like, yeah. the, do you remember the whole idea of? doll reform. You know. Like this is what was being talked about when we were bringing our bill to ban fracking. There was everybody was allowed to speak. Everyone was going to get time. You know what I mean? That's all that seems to be gone. It's all it, they're they're spending time in the doll now talking about stuff that's not important just to use up the time. So they can't talk about stuff that is important, you know? Like that that's what needs to there needs to be a proper um, Governance, you know, there needs to be good governance. If you don't have good governance, you, you're 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 in trouble. You know,
0: where Eddie is speaking from, County Leitrim will likely be the site for this year's Climate Camp, which will take place between the seventh and the thirteenth of August. If you listened to the last episode, you will have heard Seamus Diskin of Shliella describe what a Climate Camp is and the purpose of it. As well as being a small-scale practice of people's democracy in action, it is a host to a load of talks, workshops, and skill shares. The camp in Tarbert County Kerry last year was set up in opposition to Shannon LNG, but it also served as a meeting point for activists from a diversity of anti-capitalist, socialist and environmentalist movements from local campaigns and unions, and we can expect much of the same from the one this year so remember those dates, the 7th to the 13th of August. We're almost finished now with this episode and with this series. Thanks a million to Glooshocht who funded my travels last year to collect all of these interviews. Without them it would have been very difficult to get this series started. Meal of as well to everyone who has signed up so far on Patreon. It's very encouraging, especially at this early stage, to be getting ongoing financial support from people. It lets me know that what I'm doing is useful. It's still a long way from being a financially sustainable project though, so if you want to help build that, please subscribe at patreon.com forward slash turning earth. There's some extras for people who sign up, such as full interviews and recordings of political texts, but the main podcast will always be free. Thanks finally to DDR for hosting this series. If you're not familiar with DDR, if you're listening to this as a a podcast and not on DDR, have a look for Dublin Digital Radio and Listen In. There's a huge variety of shows on there covering so many different styles of music, interesting documentaries and all that sort of crack, so you can find that on any app, basically, that plays digital radio stations. And go to dublindigitalradio.com for information on how you can join or support. DDR is a community radio station built by its members for its members. These kinds of projects are the antidote to the capitalist groupthink fertilised so efficiently by mainstream media's manure. To finish us off, I'll play you some more of the interview with Enda McHugh from CATU. We talked about the necessity of underground, grassroots community organising, and he spoke a bit about the origins and focus of CATU. I began by asking him a question about a long-term strategy.
5: It's a difficult one to answer. Like, we are not an organisation that seeks revolution in the traditional sense of we overthrow the government of today and then we take power. Um, obviously not. We're not a political party. Uh, we're not, you know, that kind of organisation. We're not interested in, at the moment, uh, providing answers for how the country or society a, globally should be run. Yeah. I say at the moment because we're member-led. Um, if at our next AGM someone says, let's, uh, <laughs> let's do that, we would have to have a conversation the sky's kind of the limit but at our core we are interested in immediate like material issues uh what are our members dealing with day to day and that's housing that's eviction that's damp and mold and things being broken and not being replaced um, but that's like the core of what we do every day and we do have an interest In the broader picture, like we fight for public housing, we fight against things like co-living and things like that. Like the broader trends in like that influence why the housing crisis is the way it is, Um, and we would hope that our members become more open to the idea of revolutionary change by being exposed to the change that we drive through CATU. But it's hard to say exactly like how we relate to. Broader systemic issues, especially because personally I don't read theory. Um, I don't follow politics closely in the sense of what's happening in the doll. I'm not well read or learned. I don't have big ideas. I came into this because uh, there was an eviction happening in Mountjoy Square like six or seven years ago when I showed up and was given stuff to do. <laughs> and then, like, Cathy set up, and I just kept doing stuff. Uh, I leave big picture ideas to other people who've read the big books, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Uh, So I'm struggling to answer this question. Um, But, I mean, the big picture doesn't come without the small. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you can't have big systematic revolutionary change that's going to benefit society unless the people... Are engaged and have the capacity to engage beyond just taking something like a ballot box every few years. Yeah. Um, the people need to have capacity. Whoever you elect in the doll, or whoever way you want to decide who's in power, or where you want to put them, the people need to know. Well, we can tear this down if we need to. Uh, if it's not working for us, the people need to have the power. And you can't do that unless you have like radical trade unions radical tenets unions, are like yes. some forum for people to get together and be like, yeah, no, this isn't working. This revolution has gone sour, let's have a new one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what we're, I suppose, interested in really in Kathu, is empowering people so they can figure out, as a collective, um, answers to questions that me as an individual can't answer in terms of systems.
0: Well, yeah, I well, mean, I think you're, whether you mean to or not, you, you, it Kato is doing the big picture stuff, you know, yeah. like that. Just creating that sort of a democratic structure is it's bringing a real democracy into people's lives because we don't actually experience that, you know. We we technically well, by name we live in a democracy, but the people have very little access to democracy in their day to day lives. Like you don't really get to decide what happens in your workplace. You don't get to decide really where you live. It's just wherever you can manage to find. Um it's just that, like yeah, every few years, taking a box. Yeah, and then this person is supposed to represent your interests, but is just structurally incapable of doing that. Like so, absolutely. Yeah, just just the, the existence of an organisation like that is uh, it contributes to that really fundamental change. Anyway, I think.
5: Yeah, it's it's raising standards.
0: Yeah, expectations. So the the workshop you were doing down in uh, down at the.
5: Clim- the Clim- camp. Yeah, camp. yeah,
0: that's. It. I'm actually a member of Catu as well, and I hadn't done the door knocking and training before, so it was good for me to do that. It was good. A good confidence booster because that's something I've been reluctant to do. And I'm I'm grand talking behind a microphone when nobody can see me, but it's at the front door in front of people, it's a different kettle of fish. But that was good. That was good. I thought it made me feel like that's something I can actually do now.
5: Yeah, that's a very fundamental part of what we do is reach out into communities and just knock on people's doors directly, because if you just rely, like the previous, like Dublin Central Housing Action. I heard about them on Facebook back when Facebook was really a thing. Um, and um, if you're fresh off a plane from Brazil, you're not going to be you're not going to see double central housing action on your Facebook feed if you're from Brazil or Bangladesh or whatever, and like English isn't your first language, and you're just come here to work and you know learn English or send money back home. You're not necessarily engaging with the social media bubble. It's going to be hard for you to engage and like figure out who the players are. Unless they come and knock on your door and ask you how things are going and what problems you have and, like, how you think we can deal with it and get you talking about collective action and direct action. That's the way you contact, you know, those people that most need to be engaged. And it's not just migrants, like, even, like, single mothers and things like that who are very busy and, like, might not feel like they have time to go out and, like become part of something but they might want to but then when it comes to their door and be like oh yeah no, you're right I do have an issue or my neighbour has an issue I'd like to help it becomes a lot more accessible Yeah, you know, like all sorts of people won't get involved unless you come and say hey uh, we're your neighbours uh, we're in your locality your neighbour over there is struggling facing eviction or whatever else or um, we have no their landlord owns your building too and you know do you want to get involved and things like that you need to have direct conversations.
0: Yeah, well, that's. that's yeah, I think that's such a necessary change because it, it did seem for a few years I was, I was I was very worried about it. Actually, that so much organising happened through social media, through yeah. Facebook groups, which I mean they have their uses, but it's very it, it is very dangerous that social media monopolises so much of our communication in general. Anyway, I think.
5: Yeah.
0: But um and yeah, like I said, it's not just. Migrants, is like the, the, all that's based on your social circles and then the social circles of your friends' social circles. So it's like, it's just necessarily limited in that way. You could be, you know, someone two doors up for you might never see the same stuff you're seeing on Facebook just because yeah, that's not likely. how it works like, so. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's vitally important. And even just taking communication offline and into the street in general, it's, it's, it's great to see something Shifting back that direction.
5: Yeah, I mean, like we struggled. We started the organisation in like November of two thousand nineteen, and then the plague happened. (laughs) We didn't do door knocking for ages, and we were like over reliant on um, on social media and words of mouth and things like that. And I'm really excited that the shift is more back towards door knocking, as we always wanted to be, because it makes us more accessible. It means we can reach out to people who actually need us and who aren't just people like me, uh, like university educated, white, middle class Irish people. because yeah. um, like we want them but we want everyone else as well. Yeah,
0: yeah.
5: Uh, like even if you just leave it on social media, you're not even reaching all the white middle middle class university educated Irish people. Because as you said, it depends on who they follow and who is it, who's in their social social circles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. But they can't avoid you if you just Knock on, <laughs> knock on the knock on the door
0: you know. Would you have any sense of what it's gonna take? take Because it's not just that we need rent caps, we need stuff to go backwards in terms of rent, you know, we need to make it actually affordable for people to just have a roof over their head. Yeah. But what what do you think it's gonna to take to make that happen? To to like get social housing to to bring rents down to
5: Um Well I think there are various political parties that have good ideas in terms of like Oh, we need to do doing what they do in Vienna and we need to build more social housing and, we, you know, we need to have, like, rent tied to income and not just for maximising profit. But whoever gets into power after the next election is going to be buffeted by various forces and the media and, like, the investor class and all their money and, like, Various sections of even the voting public, like there's lots of landlords, there's lots of people who want to be landlords, lots of property owners. They have interests that don't necessarily align with someone struggling to pay the rent. Um, and so whoever gets in power, no matter how good their ideas are, they need a populace that's willing and empowered to hold them to account, which goes back to what I was saying before about building people power and building forms for people to express that so I think that's that's key is you need an anchor so if someone gets into power because they made promises to renters that the renters can hold them to it and make their voice heard and be louder than you know the Irish Times or you know like what's his name Ronan the Ronan group <laughs> uh, or like any of those other billionaires um, you need people to be able to be like you know, this is what you said you'd do, this is what we need you to do, this is what you're doing or else we shut the country down. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's what it takes. It takes a change in the power balance and you know, it takes good policy, uh, but you can have all the policy in the world if you're going to listen to the analysts to say, Oh well, you'll lose votes or you know, there'll be a legal challenge and it'll be delayed and blah blah blah. No, it just needs to has to happen, you need to
0: yeah, 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 regardless of who's in government, the people need to make the government do it or they won't do it, basically. Yeah. I mean, that, that that is democracy, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It has to be an active thing it can't yeah. be passive.
5: Yeah, our representatives in the doll need to represent our interests and we need to make sure they understand what those interests are and understand that the interests that conflict with like what the renter class needs in terms of public housing, they're short-sighted or, like, there from a well-to-do minority that don't need to be pandered to, they already made their money, mm. uh, shut up, build public housing uh, and build it for everyone.
0: So I suppose uh, we probably should finish up now, but um, if people, like is, you talked a little bit about this earlier I guess, but if people do want to join Catu or they're interested in setting up a branch in their area where there isn't already a branch, how do people go about doing that?
5: Um, you go on the website uh, www.catuireland.org and there's a join tab and you put in your name and your email address, and your actual address, and your phone number, and it'll ask you how much you think you can afford to pay each month. um, Starts from like five euro. If you're in direct provision, there's um, like a free option. Um, And if if you're not sure enough that you wanna do that or you're not sure you can pay the five euro you're not in direct provision, send us an email anyway and tell us what's going on, why are you interested, why are you curious, what's stopping you clicking join I'll be very happy to talk to you and see what needs to be done